Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Today, we're joined by Radu Palamario, who is the CEO of Alcott Global. And what I love about this, Radu, is that you're the chief energy officer, as, as I've seen on, on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you for joining us, Radu. I appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Maria. Thanks for the invitation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mean, you've got a big following and you run your own podcast too. So clearly people know who you are, but for the very few people that maybe live under a rock and don't know who you are, uh, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of background? Sure. And I'm, I'm not sure that I'm that famous, but thanks for the good words. Um, so um, a little bit of background on, on myself. I've been in Asia for a while now, so it's almost 12 years. Uh, I'm originally from Romania, the country best known for Dracula and garlic and gymnastics in general, uh, in that order, I guess. And um, I've been living in Asia and Singapore specifically for the last 12 years. And the last 10 years, 10 years or so, I've been mostly focused on supply chain. Um, started in executive search um, around C-level, VP-level positions across supply chain, procurement, logistics, manufacturing. And, uh, and over time, we've ended up doing quite a few other things. So Elkut Global as a company is... Um, uh, focused on building the ecosystem, mostly focused on Asia Pacific, um, but as well as globally in terms of three things uh, really. So one is executive search. Uh, the other one is we have a couple of events that we run. And the third one, uh, like you, you mentioned, uh, we have also a podcast and we put out a number of different content uh, pieces through video or reports because we try to help and obviously do our part to, uh, to inform the community and to share useful information. So that's in a nutshell. And so why, why chief energy officer? Uh, to me, titles are not that important, to be honest. So I, and I like to be different. Uh, you know, if it's too, uh, actually, I would not have used CEO just because I, I used it just because you can, you can say that it stands for something else that most people associate it with. So I do believe that I bring a certain level of energy and obviously that is subjective uh, and it is my own belief. So, um, and I do believe that uh, ultimately, that's key to whatever that whatever we do. I mean, if you're not, and I believe that anybody can be a CEO in any company, no matter irregardless of your position, uh, as long as you're passionate, you love what you do. I think that comes intrinsically to you to anybody because you're doing what you love, right? So usually, if you like what you do, you're going to bring energy. And to me, that's you know, be the CEO of your of your company. Okay, so now the fact that I also happen to lead the team and to lead the company—that's a different story. But to me, it's less important. Energy is fundamental, obviously. I agree with you completely. So um, let me ask you, before we get to the greatest, biggest uh, conversation, which is we're all going through at the moment with COVID and with the impacts of that on the supply chain, talk to us about this, the, the, the general state of the supply chain in, uh, as an industry in Asia. Uh, you know, what, what's your take on it? You've been there a while. You know, what, what are your observations there? Well, I think obviously this this whole situation um has caught everybody unprepared because we've never faced it before 
Um, in, I mean, some things prompt to mind. Uh, I guess in Asia, we are, some countries are at a different stage right now in the sense that the recovery is well underway. Uh, I've just read that Vietnam has posted an increase of their GDP quarter on quarter, this quarter to last quarter last year, which is crazy if you ask me. So basically they have grown. Their GDP has grown 2020 Q2 to 2019 Q2. China is back new zealand kind of okay singapore hong kong you, you know there's a couple of countries korea japan so i think it's it's more or less back to some level of um i wouldn't use the word normal but to some level of um positive news positive positive news, news. but i guess what is forever going to be different is the fact that one supply chain as a profession and as a function has finally i think gotten to the stage of uh, prominence and you know with sea level and boards realizing look I mean if we don't have professionals we can't get our stuff made delivered we don't know where it is our consumers will be basically leaving us because they they, they can't get their stuff so we're in trouble so I think now they're realizing look we need very very good professionals and supply chain is crucial to our business so I think that fundamentally is the is one of the key trends that I see I think it's in Asia as well as anywhere else in the world, really. And um, I guess specifically for Asia, where there's a big question mark or a lot of conversations going on uh, are around what's going to happen. And this was before COVID as well. What's going to happen with US and China, right? I mean, this tension that has been building up is, seems to be only continuing to build up. Um, there's a lot of talk around, okay, shall we, will we, will companies leave China? Not straightforward at all, because you can't just take your supply chain out of a place. I mean, obviously, there is a reason why China is the factory of the world, because they have the infrastructure, they have the facilities, they have a lot of things. But ultimately, that is very likely to happen. And, and what this COVID has proven is that you need to have your supply chain as close as you can, and especially for things like pharma, healthcare, and so on, to the market of distribution. So that is going to happen. But I guess there's a lot of question marks of how. When right, are you going to do it now in the middle of the pandemic when, you know, some countries are still big time struggling, including US or South America or LATAM or you, you name it. Are you just going to do it now, which is unlikely. So I think there's a big question mark around that uh, in Asia. It's mm. a very good point. Um, you, you specialize quite heavily and have in your career on executive search, uh, finding top talent. What what uh, what does the road look ahead, you know, look like for um, professionals in this industry, uh, in terms of attracting talent and keeping talent? Well, um, let me start with attracting, right? So I think overall, as a if we had to kind of categorize this as an industry which kind of has defining, let's let's start by defining supply chain as my definition, the simplest way that I can understand it, and I'm, I don't come from, a, you know, from manufacturing or from a factory background, but the simplest way for me to, dis to understand it is plan, procure, make, deliver, right? The four pillars. So if you start from that common understanding, um, I think the major problem that the industry overall and the function has is lack of storytelling, lack of marketing or PR or enough what we do is important type of sharing and, and mm -hmm. why is it important? So I think that's the piece where the, on the attraction side, 
because all of a sudden with all this digital internet of things, industry 4.0, you name it, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and I don't want to throw all the buzzwords at you, but there's definitely a trend to digitize. There's a trend to modernize, to have access to good data, to make decisions and so on. Then you obviously need the talent that other companies like Google or Facebook or I don't know, any other uh, really company in the world needs. So for that, to attract those uh, very in-demand type of skill sets, you need to have the brand. You need to have the why. Why should I work for you? What's the reason for me as the you know, top talent? And for that, I think the, the, the industry and the function needs uh, people to understand and to be more vocal and to explain to them why supply chain is so crucial that the, ultimately it makes the, go, the world go round, you know, it, it enables us to get stuff. Uh, it enables us obviously with masks and, and, and basically all the necessary to keep lives and save lives and so on. So that's on the attracting talent. So it's about storytelling, obviously at the more granular level, at the company level, it's about how do you position your company and how do you, you know, your employer brand and so on, right? Now on your second piece of the question, which how do you retain? There, I would think that a big chunk of that is about leadership, right? I mean, who, who are your leaders? Who are, who's your CEO? Who, what, what do they stand for, right? Do they stand for something that everybody can recognize? I mean, in reality, you know, there's no such thing as no culture in a company. It's just that whether that culture is consciously enforced by the leadership team or not, but it exists, right? It's the way we do stuff around here. So I think strong companies and companies that manage to retain their talent are the ones that have one very strong leadership that has a enforces a good culture with clear values and obviously stands for that why again like why do we exist like why do we do what we do danone the dairy company just announced i was reading today that they are standing now as a social enterprise so they have literally changed in the paperwork the status of the company to be a social enterprise. Mm -hmm. Now that sends a very powerful message. Now, again, if that's only on, I mean, I don't know Danone that well, if that's only on paper, yeah. it sucks because it doesn't really serve the purpose, right? But I, I hope and, and, and I would assume that it's not just on paper and it's a culture and it's a belief and it's represented by the sea level. And I think that type of an attitude would also attract people, especially the younger folks who want that meaning, right? So that, you know, leadership is important. Now, of course, so you need to pay people well, duh, right? I mean, <laughs> if you pay them peanuts, they're going to leave even if you have a great why, right? But, um, and, and, you know, career development and all of the good stuff that I, I guess in some ways is kind of a given. And I, I imagine, I mean, you, you speak to so many different people about uh, what you've just talked about. I, I think that supply chain has had and continues to have a bit of an image issue. Uh, and if anything, the, uh, the coronavirus um, pandemic has sort of helped, like you say, elevate supply chain as a profession, as, as something that's essential. Um, do, do you think that more, I mean, you've just said that storytelling is important, but do you think storytelling about the value of supply chain, how it contributes to the bottom line, do you think that's something that more companies need to do, that more leaders need to do, as well as being social businesses and speaking about the greater good? There's, I, I would almost argue that there's two separate, there's two separate tracks that need to be very well defined here. So number one is external to the organization, right? And that piece, like we were discussing before we went online, I mean, 
what the heck is supply chain? I mean, if you ask even people within supply chain, you're going to get like 10,000 different definitions, right? So I'm, I'm using, I, I just shared the one with the four pillars because that to my mind is the simplest, right? But trust me, I've run into several discussions where you go from, you know, dictionary definitions to God knows what, which just tells you that like, why do we need, you know, how many people, how many definitions? You well, write, it must, okay, it must what, be what is it? Yeah, it must mean different things for different companies, doesn't it? Like, I think we were talking beforehand, you know, manufacturing. I've had conversations with people where they say, well, that's sort of outside of my remit. I don't deal with it in supply chain. And then I've had a people say that it's a fundamental part of supply chain. So, exactly. I mean, it changes. You're right from company to company. And from individual, pretty much from individual to individual. But the, the point is, I mean, how do you make it pretty simple? I mean, it's like Einstein said it, right? I think, if I remember wrongly, uh, he said something to the extent that if you don't, if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't understand it. Mm. And um, I think it's, it's a matter of, you know, how do you explain that simply to people from outside of the industry, also from, for people that you want to attract to the industry to make it practical for them. Like I had a discussion with a shipping CEO and he was saying that, um, I told him also, look, I mean, I, I feel that the industry has some issues with the image. And he said, look, Radu, I would tend to agree with you. But for me, it's like super interesting because we are enabling global trade. We are helping, you know, get goods from one table to another to get those bananas from Ecuador to your, uh, you know, to your table. And to me, that's extremely meaningful. And I could sense that it had a lot of meaning to him. But, you know, if you ask me, was he able to translate that to other people? Probably within his organization, but I don't know if in the overall scheme of things is done enough. It's not probably. Mm. So that's external to the function and to the organization. But there's another issue, which is internal to the company where in all honesty, I mean, if you go as a chief supply chain officer, chief operations officer or whatever, right down the line, and you explain to the sales guys or to the CEO or to the, what you do, I mean, in, if you do it with, let me choose my words a little bit, right? I mean, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I, I'm, I'm afraid that usually, I'm afraid, it's just a reality of my observation that people within the function tend to be fairly accurate and pragmatic and practical and get stuff done. Not yeah. necessarily the best at presenting things in a way that catch the attention of a decision maker because the CEO doesn't really care how you do it. They don't need the, the, the whole fluffy like 10 page definition of what you do. They just need to know, okay, this is what it does. This is how much it saves. This is how much I make. This is the benefit done, right? And that's done by supply chain. How you, what you understand by supply chain, manufacturing, no manufacturing, who gives a damn, right? So I think that's where there's a, a little bit of a problem because you need to know how to present really well and quick. I mean, it's almost like you need to make a point in two minutes. I used to tell the executives, the yeah, make it, make your point in two minutes. And that's the internal issue where, you know, if you're not able to do that, you're not going to get the buy-in from the executive level. How, you know, how have hiring practices, or I guess the, the, the profession in your view changed in the last 10 years, you know, I guess the question is, were you looking for different people or were businesses looking for different people in their genetic makeup, in their background, in their history, 10 years ago to where they are now to what it's going to be like in the future? Look, some, some things, some things are the same and some things are different, just like, uh, I mean, um, pretty much everything in life. So, I mean, ultimately you still need people that operate your um, whatever it is your factory or i mean you, you still need that you're not going to go away you know your warehouse managers your now are the tools different you know are we seeing a lot more automation for example in warehouses and factories yeah i mean are you are you seeing 
So that's what um, I mean. Do you think that you need to, you're hiring more people, or I guess, you know, uh, people, companies are looking for people with more digital skills than before, more digital know-how, more technical expertise or an understanding uh, than before. Yeah. 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 So basically, let me think, let me think if I can, if I can come up with an, with an analogy, right? So if, if, before you had the agrarian or the industrial revolution, right? You had a farmer who would plow yeah. the field with a, I don't know, with, with what the, they with do. The horse the yeah, with the horse cart. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So now you have a tractor. So now for, to operate a tractor, you need a different set of skills, right? And you need to know also how do you fix the tractor when it breaks down because a horse is one thing. I mean, fixing a, a yeah. tractor is another thing. So I think that's that's... That's a good analogy. In a very simple way, that's, that's what I will. Of, of course, this, you know, that requires the digital understanding Obviously, you're dealing with much more sophisticated machines, robots. Uh, than you have, you know. your analogy, to continue with your analogy, you're still the farmer. You still need to know why you're plowing the field, yeah. what you're going to grow, how you're going to make Some fundamentals stay the same. Some fundamental, most, I mean, the, the, the basics, I mean, you're not going to, you know, start uh, farming in the sky. <laughs> you're still going to do it on the ground. But yeah. the, the, there's other things that change. Now, I, f I think also what has, uh, has accelerated in the last, I don't know, I mean, I think this, this has been overused digital transformation for uh, the last two to five years, I guess, and, and a lot of people just use it for random. Hyped uh, and overhyped. It's overhyped and it's to the point where like, okay, it doesn't mean anything, right? When you're just throwing it around. But in, in fairness, I think where the skills that are probably not were not that uh, existing even at, in supply chain are now because of that existing is like things related to data analytics uh, big data how do you uh, extract value and knowledge and some patterns out of out of your data i think that's that's quite crucial and it has is just going to continue to intensify that's that's one Two, you know, you've, we've heard about things like chief digital officer, and to be honest, mostly they fail because it's not just enough to create a, you know, funky function. You actually need to empower that person. But mm -hmm. I think what I'm seeing a ray of a silver lining, a ray of hope is that companies and CEOs and chief executives and so on are open to get to cross-pollinate. So, okay, let's take a talent from a different industry or from, you know, we actually did a search for a CIO in a fairly traditional industry, which is transportation. And they took somebody from the gaming industry uh, because they wanted somebody to transform their systems the way they operated and so on. That's a pretty bold mm. uh, decision. And I think I've, I've, we've seen such searches. I mean, is that 100% of the searches we do? No, right? I mean, sometimes you basically just need a chief operations officer to put three silos together. And that's it. I mean, nothing wrong. Yeah. It just depends on what stage you are at the company. But I'm seeing more openness in the, in the minds of the executives and realization that, look, if we do like we've done before, we're going to fail. So we got to innovate. Whether that means that we're going to also fail some, uh, some smaller things, but at least yeah. at the bigger level, we, we might come up with something new. So looking for more diverse thinking, I think, you know, probably going outside of the traditional boxes is, is something that you're seeing expand or happen more often yeah more yeah i mean again i wouldn't want to say that this is a trend yeah. uh, per se yeah. but it's definitely happening more yeah well that's that's positive that's definitely a positive thing you're, you're absolutely right with digital transformation it's such an overhyped term and it, and you were talking about supply chain meaning something different to different people 
I mean, I talk to people and the differences between someone's understanding of digital transformation and someone else's is just tremendously wide. Um, you know, do, do you think that digital transformation as a concept, as something that people are pursuing, is still going to be what's on top of the agenda in the next couple of years? Or do you think that uh, the pandemic is going to be what's top of the agenda, more diversity? What, what do you think are, you know, supply chains Going to, supply chain leaders going to be focused on over the course of the next couple of years in general? Not, not sure I have an answer to that, but I'll tell you what I think they should be focused on. So it's a, it's a, yes. different, it's a different answer to a different question, right? Because yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to claim yeah. that I know. I mean, I'm not reading out of a crystal ball, but I think ultimately where we as human beings, I'm going to overgeneralize here a yeah. little bit, but I think we're missing the point a lot of times, you know, instead of focusing on what is important and usually the things that are important are simple. Yeah. And it's stuff like, make sure you're solving a problem. Make sure you add value. I mean, what digital transformation, ultimately, what's the point? Why are you doing what you're doing, right? You're doing it so that you can create a better product for your customer, that you can help your customer better, service them faster. Simple things, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be funky. You don't need to spend $10 million on an artificial intelligence software. I mean, what, what's the point? Maybe you can do it with Excel. Nothing wrong with Excel. God, I mean, basically, we've been using Excel for a long time, and it works. So I, I, I guess if there's one piece of advice that I would somehow share from my not so you know, complicated understanding, maybe, and I, I'm oversimplifying, of course, but I think let's just focus on the basics. You know, how do you help? How do you make a better product? You know, does it matter that we make it in a sustainable way? Heck yes. I mean, like, that's a big topic that we should all be concerned about. And I yeah. think for good reasons that we are seeing companies really focus on sustainability and making sure that circular element to their supply chains is there. I'm great to hear, but, you know, are we there? I don't know if 10% have that on a very serious agenda in the overall scheme of things. So I think we need to push that even further. And it's not just the companies, all of us as consumers. So I, th I would say that's a big trend that I'd love to see pushed even further on top of the being practical and let's solve problems. And the third one that I would see is probably around, let's, let's really get serious about diversity. Now, diversity again is, I, I, these words, I, I, let's, let's get practical. So one, I think there's, there's, there's room and there should be more women specifically in, mm. uh, in supply chain and in the the, the function now do i believe it's going to be 50 50 no i i don't believe and i don't actually think that it's even healthy is there's certain things like you know there's more engineers that are male than female why because guys like things and women like uh people it is just like a generalization that tends to apply right now you're always going to get exceptions but i think in general if you have a diversity of thought you're going to have an end of teams you're going to have a better output so you know, more women is one, of course, you know, uh, older, I, I, there's another problem, you know, older generation that bring a wealth experience and there's a lot of discrimination against older workers, right? So I don't yeah. think we've come to a solution in terms of how do you properly keep them engaged and integrated and so on, because companies just end up, okay, you're 55, you're fired, good yeah, luck finding another job. There's a lot of three, you know, 360 degrees sort of mentoring, you know, where, you, where the younger sort of startup millennials uh, bring some agility and flexibility and entrepreneurial spirit to the table, whereas the older generations know, you know, have been there, done that, and uh, you know, know exactly where the where the, where the problems lie as well, and and have better structure for management, better structure for you know, again, we're generalizing, right? So there's a number of ways that uh, people can help each other. I, I agree with you. I agree with you with this whole conversation around diversity and the conversation around uh, 
the environment. Those are very important topics. And it goes back to the point that you made earlier, which is to attract talent, you need to be able to show that you're a business that has a meaning that is working to something bigger than shareholder value, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, the ideal team in my mind is a whatever professional executive such headhunter human being is, you know, something where you have a wide, you know, you maybe have a 19, 20 year old and a 60 year old, right? You have, a, you know, obviously women, male, uh, all backgrounds, races. I mean, as the, the more varied, obviously your output will be better. Um, so I, I think there's a big um, topic uh, and, and there's a lot of work to be done around getting real about those things, right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say something that I, maybe I shouldn't say. I don't believe it's about rainbows and stuff, right? I mean, great, right? You know, I respect everybody and, and, and it's great to do our, you know, our bit. But I think it's, it's more than that. It's about attitude, right? And it's about let's, let's treat people fairly. Yeah. Um, how do you behave right behind this kind of, you know, you can hide behind a lot of, oh, yeah, I'm very open-minded. But in actual fact, uh, let's, be, let's be real. I think all of us have our own blind spots. Um, and it's a, it's a constant struggle, right? I mean, I think we, we if we had to be oh, yeah, fair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of inherent biases that most people have within, within themselves. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, tell, tell me something that you believe is uh, fundamental for supply chain in general. You know, you, you must come across so many different professional people from so many different backgrounds. What is a common thread that maybe you see in people and or in the successful people? Good question. Um... I guess there's a, there's a couple of characteristics that 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 in my mind, uh, in in some ways, are common around. You know, let's use the term successful, right, in the supply chain. And I mean, obviously, we can also generalize in larger scheme of things. But let's stick to supply chain. So I, I would say that most of them would have a broad, a fairly broad exposure to both functions, right? So they may have started in planning, ended up doing procurement, and they did some, I don't know, change programs, and they ended up doing supply chain and then manufacturing. And, you know, they have this mix and wealth of angles that they've been exposed to. So that's, that's number one in terms of this is functional, yeah? Um, being exposed to different angles of supply chain. Um, now, and maybe this bears the, the there's the little bit of expansion of what what do we mean by successful because look some people might be successful if they become chief data officer and to become a chief data officer in supply chain or otherwise you need to be very specialized in data actually you don't need to know procurement mm -hmm. um so if we define success as reaching an executive level position in supply chain so let's let's define it like that because then it's fair i would say that you can't do that unless you've had exposure to different functions mm -hmm. and you understand fairly well the overall yeah. scheme of things right Number one. Number two, international exposure. I mean, if you have not worked in different countries, different continents, ideally, and if one of those continents in recent times hasn't been Asia, at least one, <laughs> um, I think you would be in trouble a little bit to take a global position, right? So again, defining success as a global type of a role, executive level. And thirdly, it's about the soft skills. It's always about the soft skills. Like, okay, you you have the functional angles, you have the 
exposure internationally, I would say it's, it's soft skills. Like soft skills is, again, it's a big word, but you know, do you know how to present and get buy-in from your C-level and executives that to, you know, 30 second elevator page, do you know how to do that without mm. putting people to sleep and getting them bored to death? Because there's no other way you're going you're gonna to make it to the, to the top. Um, leadership, okay, another big <laughs> word, but it's about people. I mean, how are you going to do anything if you can't yeah. inspire, motivate, get, get the team together for a common goal and make it clear why they need to do things, change management, right? I mean, like, look, you always need to change. Especially in a, in a changing world, especially in a complex world that we live in now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> we're always going to change. It's just, it's just, you know, it's the old uh, paradigm is that the change is mm-hmm. the only constant, right? So, so that's, a, that's another thing that comes to my mind. Uh, obviously, you need to have very good communication skills, which kind of goes in the first with the influencing skills. And that ability to keep yourself constantly learning. And I don't necessarily think that you need necessarily to be humble, but humble in a way that you know you don't know it all. Right? I mean, I don't say that you need to be humble in a sense that you say, oh, you know, uh, there's different, again, definitions of being humble. But I think having that consciousness and awareness that, look, you cannot know it all. And you need to constantly learn and you need to constantly have very smart, smarter than you people in the team in certain aspects that you can rely on. I think that's, you know, crucial. Yeah. And, and tell me something that excites you about supply chain and the prospect of supply chain uh, as a profession moving forward. And now, um, you know, now and moving forward, I mean, to me, to me, it's, it's, it's about the people, uh, first and foremost, that's, I mean, I love what I do, but ultimately to me is the people, uh, and, and is the community and is the fact that I see that in some small way, maybe we, um, add a contribution to getting people together, sharing and, and moving things forward. Right. And then partnering, um, and, and enabling those conversations, sometimes tough conversations that can push the industry forward. So I think that's, something that I'm passionate about um, playing that small part in connecting the ecosystem and connecting people in the ecosystem. And, and look, truthfully, I think supply chain is at the point of inflection, maybe is a big word, but there's so much change. There's so much. Um, and also there's so much room to improve because historically there has, there have been fairly, I mean, there haven't been so many things that have been done. So, uh, you know, if you take tech companies or if you take, I mean, they've already come quite a long way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, supply chains, manufacturing companies, there's a lot of things that can be improved. And, um, and I think that's very exciting. And the technology that the technologies that are coming in, it's actually incredible, right? You know, internet of things again, I mean, but you're able to trace, you know, to, to, to go to that level of, I don't know, the temperature of the avocados in the container that is in the middle of the sea. And you're able to know yeah. what that is. And you're able to, uh, you know, plan your deliveries in a way that by the time they're on the boat, actually, you don't even need to dispatch it to the warehouse. You go directly to the, you know, to the end consumer. And all this cool stuff that also e-commerce has played an incredible yeah. part in, in pushing it forward. So I think it's, you know, you have 3D printing. Yeah, it's incredible how many different aspects there are. And that's truly exciting. I mean, to me, is, I, I'm also excited because I keep learning. This is a very selfish point of view, but, you know, I think we should be selfish when it comes to this. So I'm genuinely excited about the prospects of supply chain for the many, many years to come. I think, I think, uh, I think you've articulated pretty much 
the excitement about working within the supply chain industry. And I think uh, that goes back to the earlier point about maybe supply chain having a bit of a bad rap, uh, a bad reputation for um, not, not very good storytelling. And that's the first thing you said about make sure that uh, you've got leaders that are able to tell stories and are able to, to bring people with them. You know? Yeah, and then look, I mean, like anything, it's a journey, right? So it's, 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 uh, it's a journey. We are on that journey as a community, as an ecosystem and, and so on. I think there's, there's some really great storytelling uh, storytellers out there. It's just that, you know, we need more. Um, and uh, and there's, there's some examples and, you know, I, I, maybe without naming companies, but there's some that, that really have put out a great story. And I, I'll, I'll, let's name one because they've done a great job. So yeah. Maersk, Maersk, I'm impressed. I mean, they put out some great social media campaigns in the last yeah. six or 12 months, you know, even rewiring your reptilian brain and how do we change and how do we become from this shipping company to this supply chain solutions company and, and, and increase the value that we offer to our clients. And they're a B2B company. They're yeah. not, I mean, they, they don't need to do these things because ultimately the chances that somebody will buy because they see, I, I mean, they, they're not into, a B2C. Yeah, they've tapped into something to be able to capture that kind of essence of storytelling that is imperative in this kind of economy and this kind of, I don't know, just the business environment, right? Yeah, but, but I would argue that, that any company, B2B or B2C, needs to tell the story. And, yeah. um, and they, they've, done, they've done well. Uh, so uh, there's, there's been another, and I remember this ads that they've got. GE had, General Electric had some incredible ads uh, that I remember that I was quoting and giving as examples for attracting talent where there was one yeah. gentleman and he was you know, telling his parents that he's going to work for GE and they were like, so what's that? Is it a bank? Is it like, what, what is G? <laughs> and then, you know, they made a little bit of a funny story around, look, I mean, actually people don't know what is, you know, yeah. actually, you know, they might've heard about G, but they don't really know. And what's an engineer in it, but they made it in a way that is really sexy and interesting. And, you know, you look, this is how you push humanity forward inventions and, you know, make life better of people. So we can all tell stories. It's just a conscious uh, effort, of course. Right. And, and the more well, you do it, the better you get. I would argue that's to do it and to want to do it. It's a cultural thing, you know, to appreciate the importance of wanting to do something like that and needing to do something like that. Um, last, last question for you. Uh, what advice would you give to professionals that are looking to um, maybe lower level or junior level supply chain people that are looking to grow to become the chief supply chain officer? You gave some really good advice here already, some really good points, but what other advice would you have uh, for people wanting to make those jumps to senior level exec positions? Uh, two things that I haven't mentioned. So I would say number one that probably is the most impactful is get a bunch of super smart mentors um, and influential mentors and people that can guide you and give you shortcuts to basically where you want to get. Uh, if you can get the CEO yeah, uh, or get a bunch of them. I mean, it's not, you don't need to have one, you can have 10 because um, ultimately they're not going to have time for you every week, right? So you might have access to them every two months or three months, but have the guts to ask. Yeah. And obviously also factor in that some will say no, yeah. but ask anyways, because I think a mentor isn't super useful. I mean, story, uh, case in point, right? So one of my clients is a CEO of a fairly large cluster, and he was telling me that he recently hired a, a gentleman in, in his cluster. But that gentleman had been his mentee 
uh, six years ago when he gave a talk to a bunch of, you know, uh, industry uh, people. And this guy put up his hand and said, look, I mean, I love what you said. Would you want to be my mentor? And, you know, our client was like, oh, I don't know, because you don't, you're not from my company. You know, in general, I mentor people within my company. But he liked the enthusiasm and the, also the courage ultimately, right? So he said, okay, I'll mentor you. And obviously, one, it helped that, that mentee a lot. And two, you know, uh, after six years, he actually was in a position to give him a job because he knew the person. Obviously, the person was qualified. This is not a, okay, mm -hmm. I, I give you the job because I like you kind of a thing. No, he was qualified. Plus, he had built a level of rapport, right, which helped. Um, so I think getting a mentor and having a few is incredibly important and useful. And that changes over time, right? Because if you're uh, starting, you need, you know, maybe mentors that are manager or director level. As you go up, then you probably would change that. And uh, the second, the second um, um, part is, I, I guess, you, this is kind of, a, you know, basic thing, but you got to ask. I mean, it's like, um, you got to have that mentality. You, you know, if you want something, you got to ask and you got to, go for it I, I don't know I mean I feel that a lot of people are shy maybe is not the word right but if you don't ask you're never gonna get and if you want the promotion if you want more exposure if you want to grow in your career if you want to become CEO you've got to tell people that that's what you want to do now is that gonna happen tomorrow no I mean, there's also a flip side of you know don't expect miracles and say oh you didn't promote me in two months and I'm gonna quit well tough luck also life doesn't quite work yeah, then, but but, have that ask uh, you don't ask you don't get mentality exactly and i mean yes give value first i mean again mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i mean i believe in give value first and show and put in the work and you know show for yourself don't just ask like a, uh, but but ask ultimately not just you know hope that at some point people will give you brilliant well you've got uh, an event coming up which is uh which by the time this goes out we're still going to be uh a couple of uh, well, a little bit of time before your event so uh if you people want to check it out go to your website alcottglobal.com yeah yes yeah we have a virtual supply chain summit so very excited about that we have about 50 global speakers and fairly big uh, interest so far about 10,000 people have registered so yeah if, if you can go to our website alcottglobal you'll find all the details or you can link me up on or hit me up on LinkedIn, more than happy to, to share. And yeah, we'd be thrilled to have as many of you there. Great. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic event. And I look forward to tuning in. With pleasure. Thank you, Reda. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Super. Thanks a lot, Maria. Thank you. For those of you watching FinTV, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.